Hey there everyone, my name is Adam, and welcome to the So I've Been Told podcast. I'm the host, and if you've never listened before, I have guests on my show, and I talk to them about their music, or art, whatever whatever form of art they do, and I get to uh, have them share their stories here. For any of you who listen. And today, my guest is Robbie Alexander, one of my closest friends. We've got a long history of playing music together, as you will hear in the episode. So, I don't want to keep rambling on. I just want to let you listen to our conversation. So, I am first going to play his band Mesa Glow's song, Cavities. And then I will just let you listen to Rob and I chat. Enjoy.
All right, Robbie Alexander, how you doing? Doing good, brother. How you doing? Not too bad. Just got out of work. A little tired, nice. but uh, overall, I uh, I can't complain. So tell me a little bit before we go back to the beginning. Tell me about uh, do you do your plug for your uh, the the new EP and the new band. Okay. So yeah, people decide so, they don't uh, want to listen any further. They at least get your uh, get the info. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So this Friday, the sixteenth, uh, my band Mesa Glow we're releasing our EP on Spotify. That's where you can get it for free. Uh, we posted it on SoundCloud and iTunes, and they have weird rules. You can't, some of those places you can't post them for free because they want royalties or whatever. So yeah. go check it out on Spotify. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think it's the best project I've been a part of, and I'm just excited about it. So that's my hopefully quick plug. Sweet. So speaking of other projects you've been a part of. Let's go let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> let's go way back. Let's, so what's let's a, just pull out all the middle school photos. I should just pretend that like we, we have no past together playing in bands. Uh, Not that, at all. They, I don't think that would last very long. But anyway, so what uh, what got you into playing music? Like what was your your like intro to kind of uh, you know to DIY music or just being into music in general? Yeah, so I uh, I was raised in a pretty uh, strict Baptist uh, Christian household, mm-hmm. um, so we did not have a lot of music going on in the house uh, involving anything other than a piano and an organ. Um, nobody in my family was particularly musical, um, but at some point in my early teen years, uh, my parents had a couple rental properties to try to make some side cash. Uh, for me and my sister to go to college, and my dad being the ever uh, understanding person, when somebody was several months late on rent, he just said, hey, if you have some stuff around, or if you want to make a partial payment or whatever, we can work something out. Mm-hmm. So they had uh, they had a TV, a guitar, and some VHS tapes. I remember they had the entire Girls Gone Wild collection at their house, but my dad did not take that. I just remember seeing that <laughs> at their house. And, you know, was a little confused at the age of, like, 13. But, uh, so, brought this guitar home. Didn't know what what uh, we were going to do with it. My dad was, like, getting ready to sell it in the, the shopper pre-Craigslist. <laughs> What kind of guitar was it? I started noodling around with that with uh, Doug Huffman, mutual friend of ours from way back in the day, and learned a couple songs off of uh, CDs my sister snuck around the house. (laughs) And yeah, that's that's pretty much how I got started. Nice. What were some of the first songs you learned? Oh, man. Trying to see how deep we want to go into the cliche here. Uh, Meant to Live by Switchfoot. Some right. early early John Foreman. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think the entire uh, was it Two Lefts Don't Make a Right album. Reliant oh K. yeah, classic. Just just all all the Christian rock bands. <laughs> uh, maybe a Stained song here or there. It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> it has indeed. <laughs> oh, not you know that's something that I think about now, right? And I'm only 28, but. You know, the kids coming up now, 
even if you're not deep into different genres of music, I mean, there's really not a lot of actual instruments on the radio. Yeah. You know, there are bands like Stained or, I, I don't even know, what's it, you know, Nickelback before they became the big joke, or Creed, or bands that actually had at least instruments in them, yeah. whether or not it stood the test of time. <laughs> Uh, you know, it is interesting to me what those kids are going to get into that are musically inclined. Yeah. It's also interesting, like, kind of tying together, like, you know, I I don't think my parents were, like, as strict as, like, your, your, I just think you're of your dad, mostly, uh, sure. when it comes to, to music stuff. Um, but, like, for, you know, kids growing up in homes that are a little bit more conservative, it's a lot easier to, you know, get your hands on music and keep quiet about it than what it was, you know, back oh. in the day, when we yeah. had, in the days of and, physical you know, media. Again, not to get grotesque, but it really is, there's like a similar analogy with like, you know, nudie mags or whatever back in the day with like sneaking the CDs home that were yeah. the Christian version of, uh, you know, Three Doors Down or whoever that they had at the <laughs> Christian bookstore. You know, uh, which I always thought was funny was that they'd have the description of the Christian band, what what non Christian band they sounded like, but you weren't supposed to be listening to non Christian band, So how somebody was listening Christians? to them? That's you know, I, but <laughs> I'm just an outsider asking questions in the modern age. I don't know. And so, what was your uh, your first your first experience? You know, playing music with other people. Well, I think the first real playing I did, I did a little bit with church stuff. Um, with, like I said, our mutual friend Doug. Uh, he was just way better at the time than me. Um, I mean, that whole, you know, as somebody starting out playing um, to get good at that praise and worship stuff, I mean, you got to be good at the chords, you got to be good at singing and, and uh, being able to play and keep in time when other people that are around you are singing yeah. out of tune and out of key and out of time. and uh, <laughs> So I would say that's really kind of the first experience I got of that. Um, and then, you know, obviously trying to get bands together at the jump, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, kind of looking back is, is very not, I would say, not really my personality is the trying to find people that have similar interests and meeting up with complete strangers. Like, as an adult, I, if I started playing now, I would never in a million years do something like that. Well, I mean, you, you found your way into Mesa Glow. Uh, it's, that's true. Yeah. So what was what were uh, some of those early projects that when you, when you first first got some, some people? Well, let's see. I'm trying to remember what all the names of all our little projects there were at the start there. Uh, we had The Last Legacy. That's the one I was thinking of. Yes, and I think we did, what, maybe three songs with that? Yeah, and it was, I mean, all that's, well, obviously people know now that I was a part of that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's known around the scene, you know, <laughs> uh, with a $5 desktop microphone, Audacity, and a Digitech RP-80 pedal. Yeah. I mean, we really, we brought the hits. Um, it's funny, because you, you, know, you know me, I'm, I'm nostalgic AF. Obviously, that's part of why I have a podcast with this format. Uh, 
you know, and I, you know, I, as I'm sure you know, I've been, you know, kind of working my way through all the old CDs, if you follow me on Instagram. Oh, yeah. It's, it's at, incredible. And at can, AJ Kramer I'm going to throw a little plug for your Instagram, because, <laughs> dude, you have been doing the Lord's work this year in terms of sticking to a weekly commitment of putting up the albums that you are enduring. And if I listen, I mean, if I, if I post that, I listen to the full record. That's, that's disgusting, because some of... Some of that stuff you've been putting up is just trash that I know. Oh, I know. That CD binder. Oh, I know. It's. I mean, dude. In this day and age, to actually sit through an album is one thing, but to sit through an album that's garbage and you know it's garbage, I mean, I have to give you respect. I yeah. don't know what your Instagram handle is, but I, I follow and I creep on it every week because it's incredible that you have kept up with that. I've been doing it. It's it's over a year now. It's AJ. It's crazy. At AJ Kramer fifty five, fifty five, if you will, fifty five. And uh, it, it is, it is really quite impressive. I have slowly been trying to get through uh, the Rolling Stones top five hundred albums list for yeah. like the last year and a half, and I always either get caught up on something I like so much that then I listen to that for like three weeks, or I hate the first track and I just move on. Yeah. So the fact that you're sitting through, I mean, you sat through the whole Astros Strand Micro Philosophy album the other day. I, I saw. So that's, I did. I did that with John in the room, so it wasn't you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just me, but that's a bonding experience. Yeah. So what came after the last? Well, first of all, what was the last legacy like uh, stylistically? Oh Lord, uh, that's a good one. Um, I would say that that was, oh man, that was, I think it started technically with three of us, right? And then it just became you and I, and yeah. we just tried to use every minor chord sad sound. And every single I, effect you could possibly use. <laughs> yeah, I had, um, and you can look them up, people still sell them online, the Digitech, I I think it's the RP80. It's like a $30. Um, it has like 200 effects, which means it's like three cents per effect. Yep, Digitech RP80. <laughs> uh, I think I got it for $50 in 2004, so I can't even imagine what you can get it for now. Uh, but it came with tons of effects, um, a drum, like a drum mapping, an expression pedal. It was amazing. I mean, it... it it taught, it, you know, it really taught you to, to play with the stuff that you had no business playing with yet. <laughs> um, but I think, really, in general, that band and then uh, Red Eyes for Blue Skies, which I'm sure we can, we can dive in on. I mean, there was just, I think, you know, for me, I didn't have the skills because I started at 13-ish, 13-ish, yeah. and then started doing bands at 14 I didn't really know what I was trying to do, but when I listen to all of it, I mean, it's just emotion. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> well, when I, when I uh, you know, I like I said, I, you know, I going going back to why I was saying what I was saying about going back and listening to old music. I had, you know, yeah. listened to the mix mix CDs that had those last legacy tracks on them, and maybe maybe just for uh, shits and giggles, I'll I'll throw a clip on the <laughs> here onto the pod, but. It was it was like real like we were ch trying to be real proggy. Yeah, and 
You know, I think it made sense where it came from for someone like yourself that actually was pretty well-versed, even at that age, in different styles of music. Like, I remember, you know, not that they're that proggy, but I mean, for, at the time, like, I remember you were listening to, like, Coheed and Cambria, and, uh, what was that band that had the lyrics in Spanish? Oh, uh, Mars Volta, yeah. Mars Volta, yeah, like, you were into all that. I, I, I mean... I think when we recorded that, the most serious thing I had listened to was, like, maybe Taking Back Sunday. Uh, I mean, we're talking, I was listening to, like I said, like, Reliant K, uh, Switchfoot, uh, just very poppy, happy stuff. Yeah. And just stumbled across a couple of sad chords, and we just kind of went with it. Um And kind of, I guess, backfilled as I started to get exposed to stuff between... You and obviously having an older sister that yeah. was three—I mean, three years older when you're a teenager is like a whole life adventure yeah. ahead. So. Yeah. So what's uh? Tell me about about uh, Red Eyes for Blue Skies. How did that really form? Whoa. Who all was in it? You know what, Red Eyes for Blue Skies. I don't remember even how you and I met. I think through the. It was through my cousin Kevin. Skating rink stuff, right? <laughs> what a... Does it get more punk rock than meeting at the local skating <laughs> rink? Uh, well, it sounds it until you tell them it was at, uh, at Christian Radio oh, Skate Nights. Yeah, the, the one day, the Thursday uh, Christian skating rink thing. Yeah, I mean, we were deep in the game, my man. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, I don't, again, I don't even remember how we chit-chatted other than I know your cousin Kevin Klinger, shout out, he doesn't (laughs) listen, I bet, but shout out regardless, the E.T. boy, Um, yeah, somehow we met through him and just said we wanted to jam, and man, I wish, you know, we have some early recordings that I'm sure you have a copy of because you keep everything, and I don't have any of, but... I wish I could hear even what we were trying to jam. I had never jammed. I didn't know how to jam. You know, I don't know how any of that came about. The first couple songs, you know, before we found Seth, the drummer, and it was just you and I, and I think Doug had hung around for a little bit, but... He played a show with us. Yeah, Yeah, so what, what, we played... So the first show we played, we didn't have any original songs. We played at my high school that I had been there, I think, a total of maybe two months at the time. I remember we went in, and uh, I remember Seth had a drum set that he borrowed off his high school band, and it was garbage. <laughs> I remember his his cymbals uh, were, like, paper thin, and I didn't know anything about drums, except I knew that they were terrible. Um, I remember that he had, like, pillows shoved into his kick drum. He had, like, duct tape. Uh, his snare to the stand because it like wasn't put in right and we're dragging all this stuff in carefully and then there's these other bands that are like you know have all this official gear and are super serious and uh yeah we got to play first which was great because every single band or close to it at least every single band at the battle of the bands played uh fall out boy sugar we're going down and uh, we played it first so we got a little yep. bit of cred there, so that was nice. <laughs> just, so, just so generic. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. I don't know. I 
that again, if I look back, that none of that makes sense to the narrative of my personality at all. Uh, just very much keep to yourself, keep your head down. You know that I think partly religious, but also partly like my dad's upbringing mm-hmm. as his dad was like an immigrant. You know, just very like just keep to yourself. Don't don't be uh, noticed. Just keep moving, <laughs> kind of thing. And then I think just the naiveness of being a, t- a teenager of like this is obviously the best band that's ever happened in the world truly <laughs> needs to know about Red Eyes for Blue Skies and what we have coming up once we start writing our own songs. Yeah, well, the weird thing about that is, like, that band's, we always had an audience. It's true. It's, Which is, it's really true, and I, I think we were lucky enough that we got to ride a wave of people just coming out to shows for yeah. no good reason. I mean, people would just come out to shows because there were shows back then. Yeah, I think that, and I think, like, I mean, we all kind of knew a lot of people. Like, yeah. yeah, you were quiet and awkward, but you'd gone to a couple different, you know, you'd been at a couple different, like, high schools. Um, yeah, yeah. And so between that and, like, between, you know, me and Seth and Seth being, Seth being Seth, I mean, he's, uh, he's rather true, charismatic. <laughs> it's true, I mean... There were there was there were some bad shows in terms of turnout, but we always had like friends come out, like the Sams, the Ryans. I mean, yeah, people that literally went, you know, I, you know, Jaron had. You're talking they'd come to forty or fifty shows to just pure trash. Yeah, um, and, and Peg <laughs> too. I mean, I, that you know, and ten, you know, let's say eight dollars, eight dollars when you're a teenager. That's like oh, thirty dollars yeah. now. Yeah. And they just, they drive there, show up. Um, but that's another one of those things, you know, like I said, as I get older, I just think about, like, the kids now that are playing at bands, it, even in a band that I would say objectively is at least not trash, it, it's darn near impossible to get people to come out when you can get, you know, how many thousands of hours of Netflix content for eight, ten bucks a month <laughs> yeah. to try to get people to come out to show. I mean, back then there just was... You're sitting home, maybe watching Comedy Central, uh, maybe watching MTV, or there's nothing to do on a Saturday. Yeah, that that was with the Chappelle Show days too. So that was, that was prime time because you were giving up a couple things. Sorry, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, man. So I mean, and also you won't say this, but I'll say it. Like you know that you know I think some of that is I, I you you had an ear for writing some some catchy catchy stuff. So there were there were some uh, some catchy songs in in the uh, the Red Eyes catalog. I think I think thankfully and thank you by the way that's nice nice you to say. Uh, I think that man was together long enough that all of us were able to figure out what didn't work. Yeah. And at least catch little glimpses of stuff. So like the songs that were good were the songs when I just ran out of ways to try to steal ideas off of Jimmy World or Brand New. Mm. And then I'd just say, hey, I like this chord. And hey, here's something that actually affected me in my own life. I'm going to try to do something, you know, write something about it. And maybe it wasn't great, but, you know, just having a space that you could try stuff before... Like I said before, you know, when you're a teenager, before the t- insecurity of it, will people like this has fully hit you. Yeah. Um, I mean, just 
just listening to some of that old stuff, which I haven't done probably since whenever it was that one time we listened like three years ago. Yeah. The audacity of some of those attempts. I mean, that's just the sheer <laughs> bravery of being naive, you know, which is great. I mean, you need that. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was it was a good place to find a couple glimpses of okay, this is this is what I you know this works that that. If I could do something like that, that would work. Yeah. Um, we played a lot of shows, too. I mean... Uh, yeah. We didn't... I mean, especially for a band... <sighs> I feel like, looking now, a band that plays that much... Um, like, I don't know, you would think... Like, if I just, like, looked at the number of shows that a band played, I would be like, oh, they must have played a lot of, like... They must have done some tours. Or, like, a couple weekends. And we yeah. we traveled outside of the area very little... And also, that's the yeah. thing too. In that in that area, uh, you know, you can play every weekend and play to a mostly different crowd because there's not like one city where it's a hub. It's like you can, you know, drive forty five minutes and, and you know in any direction, and there's another small town with a small scene. Yeah, yeah. At that time, there really was, and I mean, you know, e- even I mean, I'm sure you above anyone could attest to it. I mean, I've never fit in in any type of scene situation per se other than i'm friendly uh but i mean there really were some weirdly diverse spots to play in a very yeah. small town area yeah I and mean, you had like the uh seals grove fire hall where you know they'd let some real heavy bands play but also some real melodic melodic bands play you had the capital who had actual like fairly recognizable name bands come through, uh, and then you had, like, the Daddy McFaddies of the world, the, you know, the general <laughs> bars that just let every band of the sun play, yeah. and people would still come out. I mean, it was, it was a weird, weirdly nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think we didn't really know how good we had it at the time. No. Oh, my, oh my goodness. I think there are times that I thought, you know, because you watch, you look at these old, you know, the bands from the past and how, you know, people would come out in droves and people wouldn't come out in droves, but I mean, it was rare you didn't have 25, 30 people on a show yeah. that you didn't even promote yeah. on a Thursday. Yeah. You know, on how people, how, how bars and restaurants were making any money off these kids. I, I have no idea. I don't know why <laughs> they didn't do any of that, but they did. Yeah. And we did record. Yes. At, uh, what was it? Double A. Double A Studios and Double uh, A Studios with Al. Al. Uh, Al Paul. Al Paul. Shout out. KNS. I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he's got. That was an interesting experience. That was all of our first experience in the studio as well, which is. Oh, it was this rough. Is so bad. I just remember being so nervous. I remember the first day my mom drove me there. Again, I'm 14, and. You know, in, in hindsight, I talked to her, you know, when this band now that I'm playing Mesa Glow when I was driving to the studio, and she called me about something, I don't know, some menial, hey, what's going on, or whatever, and I told her I was going to record, and she told me how she, like, drove me to Al's, and I thought she was just being nice, give me a ride, she's like, I was really afraid this is going to be just some old guy, like, who put an ad on, I was going to, like, try to molest all of you or something. <laughs> oh, God. She's like, who would, who would want to record your band? I'm like, well, all right, ease up, lady, ease up. <laughs> I can only take so much honesty in one phone call, all right? Yeah. 
But and, yeah, it was, oh man, it's so funny. Just recording some guy's, literally his living room. <laughs> you know, uh, no one, no one had let us know beforehand that we should have practiced the songs to a metronome. Uh, <laughs> so bad, dude. It's so rough. Yeah, it was definitely a learning experience, I'm sure, for, for yeah. all of us. Probably less for yeah. Seth, because he wasn't there that much. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Uh, yeah, we won't go there after that one radio <laughs> debacle, but... There's just so much ground to cover, I'm trying not to get too sidetracked. I know, right? I mean, you're talking two and a half years in my in the prime of my teenage years, you know, 14 <laughs> to 17-ish. Man, there's so many good stories. It's really hard not to go down the rabbit hole, but so, yeah, that was that was crazy. I so mean, let's a guy who's letting kids come to his house and record fifty dollars a song, uh, and just trying to push out a product. I mean, again, imagine trying to do that now. Fifty dollars for like an entire weekend for like let's say two hundred dollars total. That's that's bananas. Yeah, and also, like, I feel like it, like people would think it's weirder now than what they did now, because everybody's suspicious of everybody. Um, sure. Like, people would, would think it's weird now, but back then it was just like, oh, this is just what you do. You go to the one old guy in the in the area who's got a home studio. Uh, oh, yeah, and he was ahead of the curve. I mean, he had very good gear because he was, he was like, very early on with eBay. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, he, he knew how to do eBay watches and all that to get gear super cheap. Yeah, that was that was at the beginning, man. Yeah, I've I've thought about, and I'm not I'm not proud of those. Uh, I mean, I I'm I love it because we did it, and it was I love the experience. Right. Obviously, like those those songs. I mean, this I think the some of the songs are really good, um, are good for what they were. Um, but sure. I'm not proud of the recordings themselves. But yeah. I, I have played yeah. with the idea of uh, of throwing them up on the on the internet just to see who listens. But oh yeah, I I think I think my opinion has softened as I've aged just because of the fact that uh, you know what those songs are better than recording nothing. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Th- there is something to be said about getting art out there, even if it's bad. Yeah. If, if you, the intention is to make the best product you can at the time, then yeah. Who's to say your crappy painting is crappy? Yeah. Now, I don't want to, like, I, I, we've got a lot of ground to cover, so I don't want to, like, continue, but I will I, 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 I try hard. I, no, no, I'm, it's fine. I love it. So, I, I totally love it, but I want to, like, you know, be able to talk about some other things as well. So, what, let's, let's narrow it down. If you had to narrow it down to your favorite Red Eyes for Blue Skies story, let's, uh. Oh, no. Oh, man. That's so good. I don't know. I mean, I would have to say the time that we drove, what was it, two and a half hours to Pottsville to play a show that got canceled. Um, (laughs) I think about 20 minutes into the drive, but we just did it. We just went because we were going to play in your cousin's basement. We played for literally no one. Just Uh, the other bands. Just your, literally your cousin's band. Um, I think, no, uh, yeah, uh, just your cousin's band, Jordan Eister and Tom McCarthy. Yeah. Um, then your car broke down in the pouring rain, so then we (laughs) had to push your car through the drive-thru to get food, because we hadn't eaten all day, because we were broke, (laughs) and we're just 
dumping uh, water in into your car. Something was messed up with your refrigerator or whatever. I, I don't even remember how we got home. I think your car just broke down like five or six times. I don't remember. How did we even get home? We had to, I, we had to stop because we kept overheating. But we would like let it cool down and then just <laughs> just keep driving. And also, it was, it was super hours, foggy. Dude. It was yeah. hours, and we're just playing like every good album where all the cars singing. Yeah. That's probably my favorite. I mean, yeah, it was super fun. There's so many stories just from that trip. I mean, we could do a whole podcast just talking about that one weekend. Oh one... Lord, yeah, this, <laughs> you know me. I, I am not a nostalgic man, but that that trip alone. I mean, that's just a summary of the best things I think about doing the music thing as a team. Is a bunch of people that had nothing in common. I mean, at all. Just getting together, driving somewhere, listening to music, car breaking down, meeting weird people at gas stations. Again, when you're a teenager from a middle of nowhere town, you're meeting people from different walks of life. Yeah. Playing in front of nobody just for the sake of playing. Just having a good time. Yeah. So what what came next after uh, you know we ended Red Eyes because college and real life and... All those things. Yeah, I think... Uh, I'm not bad at the timeline, but I think after that I was doing the solo acoustic thing for a while. Yeah, and for a little while you were playing uh, like Red Eyes acoustic sets like with you and uh, getting a couple oh, other people yeah. in on that too. Yeah, yeah. Me, Sam, I think we got Ryan on the keyboards a couple times. Um, I, I kind of used that as a crutch when I was writing my own stuff. Um... Yeah, I was just trying to keep moving. I knew that, for me, it took such a long time to even get my head around the basics of songwriting that I wanted to keep the momentum going. Yeah. Um, and I did, I think I did, like, a four-song thing, but that I never even got around to really recording seriously. Mm. Um, and I think at that point was kind of a problem that has has come back and forth a couple times, but, uh, I mean, I would just get, you know, 17, 18, I started, I was doing that, and I think that's when I really started going, okay, well, should I put this out, because I've already been playing for this long, and it should be this level, you know, it should be good, people are going to expect this or that, at the end of Red Eyes, I mean, again, I, I, in the grand scheme of time, I don't know if it was any good, but we had started to really turn into something that was, I would say, tolerable at, at the yeah, worst. Yeah, I wish we had those recordings, but... Yeah. Dude, somebody videotaped that last show, and it's it's gone. Yeah. Um, but I, I had expectations in my mind of what I thought people were going to care about, and I had writer's block there for... Close to a year, kept working through it, did the acoustic thing, but I just really didn't, I really didn't go for it. I think I did maybe three shows doing the solo acoustic thing, um, and then, oh, I'm trying to think how I even found out about it. Probably MySpace, mm -hmm. shout out to MySpace, just doing lots of shout outs as I keep going. <laughs> we already skirted over the, the, the Red Eyes for Blues guy, Zanga, shout out to Zanga. But yeah, uh, I think yeah. So 2008, I think it was January or February. Mike Soxie put something on MySpace about his band Groundbreaking Ceremony, which 
Ah, uh, kick the crap out of our band. We played a lot of shows with them, too, before that. We played a lot of shows with them, and I always wish we were, like, half as good as them. <laughs> I mean, they were, incre- I, they were incredible. Dude, especially, dude, that first, not not to downplay, I love I love your lineup as well. You're good, you're but, good. Dude, you that, heard it, folks, you heard it. That first lineup, man, that oh, was so killer. Unbelievable, I mean, they came out, they kicked the door, they literally kicked the door down. Um, and they, yeah, they had a couple band changes, but really they disappeared for like two years there. And they said that they were coming back, and they needed a bass player. And I had bought a bass on eBay, I think that summer, something the previous summer, so I said, okay, I'm going to try to play in this band, because I know I can play, but I, I, I was having so much problems with like the writer's block thing, expectations, <clears throat> and I went and tried out, and I think we went through, so they, they took me in immediately, which is great, mm-hmm. um, and I think we went through five or six singers in like two months mm-hmm. i mean i don't know where they were getting these people. you're talking like just the most you know and again this is a 18 year old kid from middle of nowhere town raised in a very you know religious household and i mean the level of degeneracy and derelicts <laughs> that came and tried out for these bands you know guys just out on Lord only knows what kind of poor man's drugs and, and whatever, <laughs> um, and showed up for like two practices and disappeared. But uh, yeah, I mean it was a, it was a great experience for someone like myself that really wanted to be serious about the music thing. Um, so at some point there, Soxy, um, you know, he was pretty big in the scene there for a long time, way before I was involved in it. Yeah. He got us on some good shows, which I still don't understand how he got us on, because we didn't have a singer at that point. We started playing some pretty big places that I couldn't have played in other bands. And then we picked up Alec Jace as the singer. Shout uh, out. Went to the studio, recorded. <laughs> I got a, I got a pass from school for a week to go record, because I said this is what I was going to go to school for. And it was like a on the job training and somehow they let that slide. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what their ranking in the state is at Shikolami High School for <laughs> academics, but I don't think it's very high, that being said. Um so we recorded an album. Uh we recorded it at is it, yeah, Watchman Studios, Doug White. Yeah. Which um which Treadwater just recorded their new single with. Shout out to our boys. Shout out to the boys. Treadwater, Steve Haramis, handsome man on the drums. His <laughs> uh, I think he's Eric, right? Yeah, Eric Lundy. Handsome, that's what I call him. Yeah, young, young Luke, who I don't know yeah. very well. He replaced me, but he's killing it. I'm so stoked it's for those dude. guys. I heard that new single, it's the hotness. Dude, it's heavy. I love it. Yeah. But so we went there, and that was the first time I'd been to a real studio. Um, and I had, from from being in the Red Eyes thing, I, I was ready. When I went there, I mean, we were beyond ready. I had all my harmonies down on the bass. I, I mean, we were ready to rock. We got in there. We got what we thought was the best product since sliced bread done. <laughs> um, and then we toured that summer. And we actually, you know, went state-to-state touring, and that was 
my senior year. We left for tour the day after I graduated. That's the dream. That was the dream. <laughs> and the dream lasted like three and a half weeks. Uh, it was supposed to be all summer. It lasted about three and a half weeks. Then the bus broke down at Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, so then we slept in the van for a couple of days while we were trying to figure out what was wrong with the van. And then we got those little passes, those work permits to be performers on the boardwalk mm-hmm. uh, to make enough money to stay in a hotel room for like two nights. Um, we, uh, Alec at the time, his girlfriend's family was down there on a vacation. They let us <laughs> stay there, which I imagine was hugely embarrassing for him at the time. Uh I don't know, we did a bunch of weird stuff that summer, we kept playing, we, we got the van fixed, we went out, traveled a couple more states, played a couple more shows, that was like, again, you're talking life experiences, that was one of those ones that you just, you know, it, you really can't replace it, you know, yeah. playing a show, playing a show at 18, at 3 in the morning at some bar in Brooklyn, and then stay, you know, sleep on some stranger's floor. Um, but yeah, so the the band that first album we all knew like quality was good, but it wasn't you know the next album as a cohesive band was going to be the thing, and then we started having issues. Uh, but at that point, I was supposed to go to college. I didn't go to college because I really wanted to give this band thing a shot. We were mm-hmm. really starting to get a draw. Um, we were planning on moving down to Philly because we had played a couple shows down there that went well. Um, I don't know. Once people were getting flaky in the band, I kind of said, all right, I'm going to take this semester and figure things out. I'm pretty sure I called you like every three days because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember like towards the end there, I remember seeing you guys play as a three-piece with you oh, on guitar, yeah. Alec on vocals, and Dirk on drums at, uh, at uh, well, I was going to say the Capitol, but uh, Tuesday Tunes at that point. Yeah, we were hurting. I mean, we, I, I had never, and, you know, to this day, now I would say with this band, with the band I'm in now, it's, it's hard to say, but at that point I had never clicked with somebody songwriting even close by a thousand miles as uh, Dirk, the drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could just sit for five minutes and come up with four song ideas, Yeah, you know. I mean, he, we just gelled so well. We didn't care. We didn't have a second guitarist. We didn't care if we had a bass player. We figured it out if I had to record everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the instability around the band. And I mean, I don't want to get into too much of people's personal lives, but things just weren't going very predictably smooth, even though we were starting to, you know, kind of build a little bit of a fan base. So I started going to college then. Um, went to Bloomsburg for music. Um, and at that point you had, at that point you quit GBC altogether, right? Yeah, so I quit that. And it, are they still a band? Uh, I know they were doing that Relic Hearts band at some point. Oh yeah, um, I forgot they changed their name to Relic Hearts. I don't, I haven't heard anything about it in a minute. They were doing a bunch of stuff with that Our Last Night's band, Our Last Night band. It does. It's known for the cover songs. Yeah. Um, I know they did a bunch of music videos, Relic Hearts did like three, but I don't know if they're doing anything, to be honest. The shout out to them if they are. Yeah, word. Um, 
So I started going to school for music, and then obviously, as you may know, we moved in together and started doing the flawless feeling. Yeah, we did. That was a, that was a good time. Acoustic. Uh, two piece acoustic. Adam with the smoothest smoothest backup vocals, <laughs> probably of all time. I mean, the, the sick arms. I'm telling you, it's uh, people don't appreciate the Adam soft voice because I think most recorded music you've ever been on is screaming or like <laughs> yelling. Yeah. Tell you what, one of the softest voices I've ever heard. It's undeniable. We did that. Um, I don't know how long did we do that. Uh, at least at least like six months, and we just kind of played. We just kind of played locally. Uh, I think we played up here in Rochester once, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We and played a. We played it uh, at Roberts. Robert. It wasn't really a sh- it wasn't really like a real show. It was just like friends hanging out in a lounge in the dorm building. <laughs> and you know what? I think I think that band maybe like midway through it. That's when I really started to feel like I was actually getting the songwriting thing. Yeah. I was 19 at the time and I really was starting to pick it up. Yeah. I felt like if I sat down with an idea, I could tell you when it was done. Yeah. Which was always a problem. I could I could sit down with it and tell you even songs that we write. I could tell you, okay, this is not a great one. We can keep it for now and throw it out, or this is it. You know, this is a really good one. Let's keep going with it. Um. So yeah, we did that for six months. We played that weird show at Bloomsburg <laughs> University where the guy. The guy did like a 22 minute set solo bass, just doing like the Seinfeld crap. Literally like 22 minutes, it was unbelievable. So you, it was like a seven string bass is just sitting up there. So no one was there for him. <laughs> Surprise, no girlfriend, no nothing, or boyfriend, whatever, I don't know. I don't know how he rolls, but no one was there, no one cared. But I loved it. Also, that was the same night. Now you guys... You, oh. <laughs> You you got to tell the story because your perspective is because uh, I mean I I lived it I I didn't see it happen. Well, I, I think the the most important thing to keep in mind is the boredom factor for people that aren't drinking in their twenties. That's that's a when you are hanging out as as people in your twenties and you're sober and just walking around and bored. I mean that that can play powerful tricks on the mind. <laughs> I just remember we're just standing outside, there's some stairs and a railing, and you're sitting on top of the railing, and we're just chit-chatting. I, I, I think, if I remember right, we were talking about the Gilmore Girls, and how that was actually a good show. Like, we were talking about shows that our sisters liked that sucked, and there were so many of them, but the Gilmore Girls, even though I didn't like it, you know, it's like a decent show. And then, I don't know what happened, you laughed. To something, and you just started to fall backwards, and I kind of did that weird flinchy thing you do when you see something like a car accident, but you don't actually move or help anybody. And I watched you just back fall backwards, and thankfully your hands held on the rail, and you did this weird backflip thingy in between the two rails, and didn't fall and hit your head. I went. I like went all the way. Terrifying, uneventful event. 
that I think I've ever witnessed in person. I, I remember, like, it, like, happened, and I was just like, did you guys all see that? I was, like, have you ever been in the, have you ever been about to have a fist fight with somebody that you're sure is going to be a fist fight, and then it doesn't happen? Yeah. And you're just so filled with that panic adrenaline <laughs> of, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm ready for it, and then nothing happens, and you have to somehow go home and just, like, lay in your bed like a normal, boring white person. <laughs> That's exact, dude, I just remember, I, like, I panicked, even though, oh, I was like, uh, 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 and nothing happened. Life just went on. I feel like the, the, whoever is listening to this podcast is not going to get how ridiculous this was. There's no way to put it into words. No, no again, like I said, you, you really have to get in the mindset of two men in their 20s that are just so bored and so sober. Uh, I mean, it, it was powerful. <laughs> so, like watching a life possibly flash before your eyes. <laughs> So the flood kind of—I—I don't even remember how it ended. I think we just stopped playing shows and we're both busy with like life. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll just call it that. Honestly, uh, I don't remember. If you have another yeah, no, version of that story, no, I, I was gonna say that we're just getting so involved with our crappy girlfriends. That's. Or something, but I don't that, remember. Honestly, I don't uh, remember. I feel like that had a lot to do with it. I'm sure I did, which is really <laughs> mature. You know, yeah. Just crush your dreams for your love interest, but. Um, yeah, so we did that, um, and then I did uh, a fine line. Hell yeah! I was twenty one at the time, and that that like I said, the flood was when I felt like I was starting to pick up a little bit of the tools that I could say, okay, objectively, I get it. At least in my space. I mean, not to say as some master, but I knew when I put out as good of a product as I could, or if it was not that great. Yeah. And I think at the start of the flood, so the flood, or I'm sorry, at the start of a fine line, I had three buddies from high school, um, and by buddies I mean three people that were basically way too popular and cool for me in high school, (laughs) but I knew them all from like, I don't know, baseball and stuff when we were kids. Um, and they were all jamming and just playing, like, 90s rock covers in the basement on the weekends just for fun, which is cool. I mean, I'm not, you know, judging, but no no thoughts of really doing a band thing. Um, and Drew and I went to, you know, went to the same college and would run into each other. And he said, hey, we were, like, doing this band thing if you want to come hang out. And I think, I don't know how early on it was. I mean, I don't want to, whatever, but... I kind of thought to myself, okay, here's people that really want to play, mm-hmm. but haven't really played in bands enough to like have that ego, and I could really kind of make this like a songwriting machine. Mm-hmm. Like I knew Brandon was was you know a perfectly fine guitarist. He was still learning a bunch of stuff, and and you know he'll tell you you know he was definitely early on compared to like the now or whatever um the same with drew on bass and and, you know kyle on drums all had you know the energy to play but were very very young in the the thing so i kind of took it on as okay well this is this could kind of be like my my personal songwriting thing that we could put a band together yeah 
And we did that for, I think, a year. And we didn't really get to play a lot of shows. This is 2011 when, the, uh, to me, the scene was getting pretty close to dying. There's no Tuesday Tunes. There's no Seals Grow Fire Hall. There's no random birthday parties you're playing at. There's no random skating rinks in the middle of nowhere that people just come out in droves. There's no, like, Christian Youth Center that lets all the bands play. Um... I don't even really remember where we were playing. It was very hard to find gigs. Yeah. But but we were writing, and I knew I was I was getting somewhere with the writing. Um, I think, you know, you know me. I think I always wanted to do something in the Jimmy World brand new whatever vein that was not a ripoff, but was a similar stuff, you know, similar emotions. Yeah. So we recorded. And again, went back down the cheapo route. So I would say the recording quality suffered, but the songs and the lyrics, which to me, you know, the lyrics is always the most important part, were above and away the best stuff that I had ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it bothers me now, and it bothered me then. The quality of the recordings isn't anywhere near what it could have been. But, um, you know, that, that was, that was, I think, the, the, the first real thing that I walked away and said, okay, at least the songs themselves could stand the test of time. Yeah. Um, and boy, I think, I think after that, I mean, six years went by till now. Yeah. Um, I tried to start doing a couple different versions of projects. I tried a couple projects with Alec from Groundbreaking Ceremony. I tried a couple solo projects. And I think the uh, the writer's block thing really got to me. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think it happens to a lot of people that are uh, very particular about, you know, songwriting. But just something of my personality is like the perfection addiction. Mm. Like I can't let anybody hear this until it's perfect. Which, you know, in some ways is not a bad thing because you want to put out a good product. But at the same time, when three years have gone by, you haven't put anything out because it's not perfect. Then what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, a lot, lot of empty space time there that I do kind of wish I could go back, but uh, I think like mid now, like late last year, I, you know, I'm in the Bethlehem area now, outside of Philly, and uh, I actually, I've gotten really into the blues the last like two years, like Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, all that stuff. You were starting to get into that. You were starting to get into that back when, like, back in the day, because I remember us listening to Sunhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember we were listening to that because, uh, uh, what's his name? The White Stripes guy. What's his name? Oh, Jack White. Yeah. He, we watched that documentary. Sun- yeah, he mentioned Sunhouse in some documentary it was him it was him uh the dude from zeppelin and the dude uh whose name i know but i can't remember off the top of my head 
and uh, Imagine Jimmy Page. Yeah. It uh, might get loud. That's the name of the documentary. Uh, it's gonna get loud. Yeah. Or it might get. I think it said might get loud. Not that it matters. Yeah. But, so he mentioned Sunhouse, so that at least opened my brain to the idea. But I, I mean, I always flirted with some of the stuff, but I mean, I, I've gotten real heavy into it like the last two years. Mm. Um, I think a lot of that because I've tried to kind of get to the root of the old stuff. Um, like as, as a guy trying to actually get better and better at guitars and stuff, you have to look at the Led Zeppelins and you know, the Rolling Stones, and then see, oh, they just kind of stole everything off these other guys. So I, I, I really got into all the blues stuff, and I was looking for a blues band to play in this area because uh, this area actually has a very vibrant blues scene, hmm. um, weirdly enough. Um, they have a blues fest, like 30-40% of their week-long Twelve hour a day music fest is blues. It's just a very blues heavy area. So I was looking for a blues band <clears throat> to play in, mostly because I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to play other than like the basics, and I wanted to learn. Um, and I think I messaged two or three blues bands, and nothing happened. And then I'm scrolling through Craigslist and see some band that their influences are like Caspian. Oh, brother, brand new. I don't remember who else, but just like the old school Rob uh, yeah. top ten list. And they had a couple of tracks on there, and I was like, oh, I, I have to figure out a way to get involved in this. I don't know what they need, but I'm gonna just say I'm gonna sink back into this. Um, I, I think a lot of it for me was the fact that and listen to some of their stuff, you know, a lot of bands, and I'm sure you can attest to this, a lot of bands, when you listen to the demos, you can kind of tell who is the ringleader just mm -hmm. by listening to the songs. And you could definitely tell that the two guitarists, it was a back and forth. It wasn't like one guy who was eventually going to run out of ideas and the other guy was not going to be able to, you know what I mean, yeah. shell some stuff out. So I tried out, and then they made me try out again, and I think they might have made me try out a third time, which ticked me off, but, <laughs> uh, no. But, uh, yeah, immediately it was like, okay, this is like a whole whole different thing. Um, I, as someone that's played in bands, um, you know, you know how it is. I mean, people that are artistic, the idea of people that are, of varying ranges of artistic, four or five of you get together and try to yeah. agree on the same idea is is kind of silly, really. Yeah. But there's a weird understanding in this band of like this is a collective piece of art. Um, that was actually kind of hard for me at first because I'm not used to people having the right to tell me what I'm doing sucks because <laughs> they're doing as much work as me. Yeah. Uh, but at some point we all started clicking really well um, ego got out of the way and we just started really putting it together um, our singer Taylor this is the first band she's ever been in which you really can't tell um, 
I mean, number one, she hides it well, but number two, uh, I think the style of music is, the, the, the music around her is just kind of so big and spacey and whatever mm-hmm. that it helps to hide any insecurities she may have as well. Um, but the rest of us, I mean, you know, it's all guys that have played in bands and have been the guy that's the ringleader of the band and are tired of being the ringleader, but all of us have been the ringleader. So, so it's a super group. <laughs> it's a super group of nobodies. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's a super group of people saying, "Hey, I will post the event link. Hey, I will make sure the shirts get to the show. Hey, I'll pick up the stuff." Yeah. So just a bunch of dad, a bunch of dads, basically letting each other know the other one did the work and deserve the credit. <laughs> so yeah. very nice. And you guys are dropping this EP on the yeah, 16th, right? This Friday. Um, I'm gonna drop the. I'm gonna do my damnedest to get this podcast out the same day that you're that'd releasing the EP. That'd be crazy. I'm gonna. I'm yeah, trying. We're um, we're dropping it Friday the 16th, which is also um, the day that Taylor is getting married. So that's pretty exciting. Awesome. Um, some people will be more excited for one than the other, but no. Uh, no, yeah, we're excited, man. Um, I think we're really lucky because um, down here, the Philly scene has been re- really weirdly accepting of us. Cool. Um, I think partially because there's a lot of good bands in a semi-similar vein, um, Violet Waves, Birthday Boy, uh, Through Neighborhoods, there's a bunch of bands just kind of trying to do the same thing, you know, not really trying to push the buying stuff, but just trying to get people to come out and listen to music, have a good time, Um, and it's not a bad time to have a band with the alto female singer voice either, (laughs) that seems to be a thing right now, so... Um, we've we've had we've had weird weirdly quick success at least in, in my uh, understanding of regional success. Yeah. So yeah, I've seen you getting on getting on cool shows down there. Definitely. Yeah, we've been we've been very lucky and um, definitely not been taking it lightly. Um, we're going to be doing some shows at least one show. Um, in December, we are trying to kind of just get moving on the new stuff. Yeah. Um, we've had these songs, the songs that we recorded, we've had done since, like, March. Yeah. So, we're all sick of them, in a yeah. good way. Yeah, I know how that goes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and we, thankfully, again, being the dad rock band, uh, we all were willing to put in, you know, a nice chunk of change to get a really quality recording. Mm-hmm. That uh, will definitely stand the test of time, and none of us have anything to gripe about. Um, nice. And so yeah, we're just we're just super stoked, dude. Ready to get ready to get some new stuff out too. After people get into this, so. awesome. Where'd you where'd you record? Oh crap! Um, that's a good question. <laughs> let, me, let me let me double check because I don't because we looked at so many places. I don't want to say the wrong place. Oh yeah, it's all good. Uh. Let me let me come back to answer that. Oh, it's all good. Uh, Gladwell Studios in New Jersey. Nice. 
Um, yeah, they, they've done some some bigger emo-y bands. That Into It Over band. Oh, really? Yeah, they did some stuff with the Menzingers. I, I think they were just using it as like a recording practice space or something. But I mean, that dude's got the drum sound down, dude. Yeah. Um, he really knows how to make a drum set sound ridiculously huge. So definitely no complaints there. And, awesome. Um, dude, we're hoping at some point to get a, a, a beer white. Do you guys have kind of any? I don't know. Like, what what is the scene like up there now? Is you guys of, like the, the band styles? You guys will do real well here. People people are into that type of stuff. So you know, That's awesome. When that happens, I'll definitely make sure I uh, you know get the links up on these. Uh, on the so I've been told uh, socials, if you will. I appreciate it, man. Not that I'm good at uh, keeping up with that these days. I haven't. I mean, as you know, I haven't released an episode in a hot minute. So uh, we're. You know what? I think I, I'm probably the most dedicated podcast listener of the people that you've interviewed. <laughs> I don't think I've missed one. Um, I remember I'm, I was working a job. My previous job, I was working in um, London, and I remember I listened to, I think it was like the second or third episode of the dude that like writes plays. That was, that was, that was the first a, episode. That was a good episode. Yeah, it was, uh, he and I just had a good conversation. It's just, uh, it's a lot of good back and forth in that one. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm an OG listener and big fan, big fan for sure. I, I appreciate it. Also, I, I heard somebody may have, you know, re-released that. That's a, a fine line. You, you know what? It's it's out there. Do people Some listen to it too? Uh, fine I don't, line, fire starter, EP, album, whatever you want to call it. It's out there, man. Apparently, I uh, I don't I don't remember like numbers, but I know that like a decent amount of people like check it out. So That's hilarious. Yeah. No, dude. I mean, I. Like, for is there those, like some new Drake song they could be listening to or anything else? <laughs> For the record, you guys know, well, some of you might know, I, I do the Fortunate Records thing, and I eventually want to do a cassette release of that. I just have, uh, same reason I haven't put out podcasts lately, because I'm doing this whole uh, working 50 hours a week and living the dad life thing, so it's, it's good. <laughs> living the dream. I saw somebody today, I um, was doing some work at a um, uh, factory, and this guy had on his hat, hard hat, living the dream, plan B, and I think that just, <laughs> I tell you what, man, that's, that's, that's a keeper right there. Yeah, for real. Uh, now, uh, one more question about Mesa Glow, are you guys going to do a physical release, or is it just going to be online? I think for now, we're just planning to do the online yeah. There's just not money in it. Um, I, I get it. Really, we the only thing, that I, and I wouldn't even call it revenue, because it just gets put right back into making more of it, is it's just merch. Yeah. Uh, we've definitely not been afraid to spend a couple dollars to get good quality shirts out there and, and, and you know, album artwork and all that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, which I'm thankful for in the long run, because you know, that stuff's just nice to have. Yeah. Um, well, hey, if you ever want to uh, do a small run of tapes, you know where to, not to do business on the podcast, but you know where to where to go. Hey, man. I, dude, I would, I'd do a small run of tapes for you guys, so. 
I'm all, I'm always op- open ears, so I'm yeah. down with it. Dude, it's, um, it's so I weird. I have to say, though, man, um, yeah, something I wish I would have learned off of you earlier is to keep, you know, I'm not a nostalgic guy, but, I mean, to keep record of the old stuff. Dude, I mean, I, I like, it's, it's sometimes annoying being that guy, because... People keep people clown on the the nostalgia guy, but at the same time, when they want to know when something happens, that's right. They're uh, they're wishing that somebody that they had the uh, you know had that flyer from that show or that CD of that terrible band that we always clown on every time you know the crew's back together. So it's it's true. I, I, I will say that I will say this to all you people clowning. Um, I don't have a single physical copy of anything I've ever written or recorded. Um, I had it all uploaded on purevolume.com. Shout out to purevolume.com, who erased every recording that I have ever uploaded to purevolume.com. Again, that is purevolume.com, burning every memory that I have that Adam did not burn onto a CD. Dude, I don't, uh, I don't have that, uh, that Box and Whisker Plot track that we recorded that one day either. Yes, our sound project, the Box and Whisker Plot, um, inspired by my statistics class. Um, also, yes, if it weren't for you, I would not have my five-song uh, sleep um, instrumental EP that I wrote over one winter break. Um, well, shout out to Steve for having the CD. Shout out, Steve. You know I love you. He he had the CD. I just, I mean, I don't. I probably didn't tell this story on the pod, but. Uh, I stayed at Steve's house for, you know, a week or so last summer while he was on vacation and got got bored and alphabetized all of his CDs because I have problems. Uh, that's, that's, hey man, we, we all have our demons, I guess. There's worse to be had. Uh, I, I don't know, I feel like I should chat too long on my own backstory, but I will say... Dude, you're the guest on this podcast, that's what uh, this is all about. I guess. It feels like I'm patting myself on the back a lot. But I will say, the most influential person in my musical endeavors that I I see maybe once every three years is, without question, Steve Aramis, because that dude was so weird. And <laughs> Love you, Steve. Sorry, Adam. Uh, but, I mean, no, he... He was such a weird figure in my life that I don't think in any other space on earth we would have been friends. And not in a bad way, but, like, I, I would have never even thought that we had anything in common. But what a weird dude. Dude, what uh, an incredibly talented dude. Oh, Love yeah. you, Steve. But just just the, the audacity that that man had to put out, like, seven different sound projects that he just wanted <laughs> to buy weird things. Uh, screamo hardcore death metal bands that were like a parody of death metal bands that were like smashing computer like just such a unique artistic dude that I would have probably lumped into a category of not serious musicians except for the fact that he's like the most serious disciplined musician I've ever met Boy, man, I could do a whole podcast on, <laughs> on how great Steve is, but you already did one, so I'll, I'll just keep moving. Yeah, man, dude, I, I love, I, I wish I had, like, dude, like, him and, and John just having, 
And, like, dude, you know who else, like, just blows my mind? He's somebody I haven't had on the podcast yet. Is, have you listened to Tyler Troutman's Tyler Colt Records? No. On Bandcamp? Dude, it's so ridiculous and hilarious. And I'm like, yo, I wish that I had the balls to just, like, put out whatever weird shit popped into my head onto a record. And that's what Tyler does on those Tyler Colt records. Not to downplay, like, obviously, I'm not downplaying Condition Oakland because he's legit one of my oh, favorites. Oh, yes, you are. You told me many times that you hate them, but <laughs> keep going. He's, uh, you know, Tyler's legit one of my favorite songwriters, but, uh,. That Tyler Colt record, that most recent one, dude, dude just gets real silly, and it's, uh, I just value that. I feel like, you know, a lot of people, myself included, don't have the guts to just put something so silly and absurd on the internet, and so. Yeah, I think, um, and test, I have, um, I'm pretty traditionally late to the party on most bands and music. Um, I, I will say I was late to the Tyler Troutman game. I, I didn't I didn't understand when I was younger and appreciate the man for what he is. But uh, he's a gentleman and a scholar. Yeah, I love that this has just turned into us ta- like talking about how much we appreciate our friends. Oh, I know. We're just <laughs> patting everybody on the back. But, uh, it's a big old love fest. Yeah, but I mean, it is important though if you want to if you talk about you know like trying to create art, you have to have people around you that maybe are not known, but that inspire the art better than you what you're trying to do. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Steve and I never did anything similar, you know, remotely similar music taste wise, um, but just having the guts to let yourself be weirdly curious and just enjoy the art form for something other than, uh, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and Yeah. Um, it is important. I mean, obviously, yeah, we're, we're, we're calling people out specifically by name, but that is very important to the whole process, for sure. Yeah. Anybody, uh, anybody you have anything negative that you want, any grievances you need to air... With anyone by uh, name. Let's say, let's see, how much time do you have? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I, I think the only the only person I would have anything negative to say anything to is probably the little voice in my head that always tells me to not work on anything because it's not going to be as good as what you want it to be or whatever. No. I, I think music has been weirdly good to me as a person that really doesn't belong in the arts and creative space because I don't at all <laughs> so word man what cool to me. <laughs> the people that I thought were going to be weird word well dude I'm, I'm glad that you're playing music again uh, those Mesa Glow tracks sound awesome I'm going to play Probably one at the beginning of the episode and the other at the end, and then people can, uh, you know, on the day this comes out, then they can check out the rest on the Spotify. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Check that out. Check out uh, A Fine Line on Spotify. Shout out. Yo, because that... If you find the album, it's the one that has all four guys in aviator glasses. (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't know. It was... 
think that was supposed to be cool at the time. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, check that out, because I'm the one who's getting the money for those streams. Getting them ducats, girl. Because <laughs> I, because Rob was like, yeah, I don't care if you want to put it out, so. Get it out there. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that, like, half a, half a, half of a half of a penny for every time you listen to a song. Dude, if you get 50, if you can get a can of cold pop out of this, I'm happy for you, man. Cold coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to that lady. Dude, who who would have known that Schmokin would, like, be on the map for that Dunkin' Donuts? Dude, Dutch, what was his name? Dutch Smith. I'd love to do a side project with Dutch Smith. Dutch. Collaborative effort. Dutch, if you're listening... I I would have you on the podcast. I've listened to that rap song of yours, and it's very problematic. <laughs> but <laughs> I was. Dutch, man, I'd love to. I'd love to do a collab with you, but no more, no more booty videos of your girlfriend. All right, I'm very problematic. Right, I, don't, I don't. I don't know her like that. I. <laughs> I'd still have you on the show. Yeah, oh, I'd have you on. I'd have her on, too, but no more booties. No more booty flex. <laughs> I'm a married man, all right, Doug? <laughs> all right, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to cut off the recording, and we can we can chat offline, because that's... Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I love you, Of course, you, man. man. I love you, too, and I'm uh, excited that we finally did this. This has been a lo- You've been on the list of people I wanted to have on the show for a long time, so... you know. Uh, you- I hope it didn't disappoint no, dude, this is great, and uh, the tracks I've heard are great, and I'm real excited to hear the rest of it, and I hope, uh, you know, hope a lot of people listen to this, and I hope a lot of people listen to the, uh, to the record. Thanks, buddy. Or EP, whatever, it's, whatever, you know.
just heard Salt and Cinnamon by Mesa Glow. The name of the EP is Here I Reside. You can find it on Spotify, Bandcamp, all the places where you find music. And I highly recommend it. And you know what? I don't even have to highly recommend it. If you were listening, you already heard that this band's great. And, uh, yeah, I'm real excited to, uh, finally get Rob on the pod, and this episode, if you've listened this far, you know there's been a bunch of, uh, little sound glitches and all kinds of stuff, but like Rob alluded to in the interview, conversation, these aren't interviews, whatever, uh, it's better to just put something out than to put nothing out. So I finally am finishing up this podcast. I'm tired. I've been working a lot and parenting and uh, trying to find the balance of doing things I love, like making this podcast and playing and writing music. And it's really difficult, like way more difficult than I ever thought it would be. Uh, it's also, like the parenting end of it is also like way more rewarding than you could ever imagine. But yeah, now I'm literally just ranting. But I thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully I'll get another episode out by the end of 2018. Uh, I wouldn't count on it. But I'm going to try. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.